Hey, it's Melissa. You know, a little help goes a long way when you're rebuilding your life after the death of your spouse. That's why we've put together some amazing free resources just for you. They're packed with guidance and the answers you've been looking for. So let's begin this journey of renewal together. Head over to widowsquad.com, click on freebies, and unlock these powerful tools. Your journey to a brighter future begins here. Now let's get back to the show. You are listening to the Widow Squad podcast, the show that helps widows create a fulfilling life after loss. Join hosts Jen Zwink, Kim Murray, and Melissa Pierce as they share expert tips, resources, and advice to help you get a grip on your grief and learn how to thrive. If you're a widow, this is where you want to be. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Widow Squad podcast. My name is Kim Murray, and I am thrilled to have my amazing co-host, Melissa Pierce, here with me today. You might have heard bits and pieces of Melissa's story in the past, but today we're going to dig a little bit deeper and let Melissa share her own unique widowhood experience with us today. So Melissa, to start, can you take us back to that time when you first became a widow? Yes. So it was 12 years ago, um, 2011. Um, I live in Oregon and I am from the Portland area. So I don't know if you know the geography of the state. I was living about a about four hours away in Eastern Oregon. It's very mountainous. It's in a very small town. And um, we were there because my husband was a teacher and we were raising our two kids in, um, in Eastern Oregon. So he taught at the school that they were at. He was their football coach. He was their music teacher. He was their math teacher at a smaller school. You kind of had to do everything. So music and math generally don't go together, but he taught both. Well, I mean, I'll backtrack a little bit. We adopted our kids from the state of Oregon's foster care system four years prior to Dave's death. So we had like this really, I don't know, this beautiful four years, four, almost five year mm-hmm. period where it was just the four of us. We were just creating and growing and learning about each other and just being a little family in this kind of idyllic setting where small town, the kids are playing football, basketball, baseball learning how to play instruments, just really active. And so, um, yeah, there was no really, there was no warning with Dave's death. He died very suddenly and he died at home. He just died in his sleep. And it was, my oldest son was four hours away at a school function. So it was just me and my youngest son and Dave. And then I discovered Dave didn't wake up one morning and I did all the CPR and all the all the things to try and revive him, but he had, according to the coroner, he had been dead for several hours and they honestly don't know why, you know, it's, it's on his death certificate. It's um, undetermined with underlying factors. He said the night before he said, well, my chest feels a little tight. I feel like I'm getting a, a cold or a chest cold or something. So maybe that was a heart issue that, you know, I, we don't know, honestly. And you'll never know. I mean, I'll never know. There's no, that, that has to be a difficult concept of no closure, no really, Mm -hmm. what was the thing? You know, I think sometimes we want to know the thing that starts the, the process and to not know that has to be incredibly frustrating. Not that it's going to change the outcome, but. Yeah, it is. And even my oldest son, um, a couple of years ago, he, he wrote a school paper that I read and one of the things in that school paper was that he just doesn't know, like his 
just that. And that's what I tell people. He just died in his sleep. I can't mm-hmm. say it was of a heart attack or whatever. And I had visited two psychics a couple of years after Dave died. And I got my answer from the psychic. So it's not scientific or anything, but right. it, it was what they both indicated what it was a cardiovascular event, mm-hmm. um, which makes sense. You know, your heart stops. It was some kind of a, a almost both of them said they indicated it was some kind of a clot or something that I'm like, okay, there's my answer. But I usually just tell people he died in his sleep. So it was very sudden without warning. And then, you know, that's the, the chaos began. <laughs> and you, so you walk into your room and you see your husband. Yeah. Lying on the bed. Yeah. And did you know at that moment that something that he was, you just it knew was, something was wrong? Well, he's, he's an early riser and it was a Saturday and he was coaching my youngest or he was helping to coach my youngest basketball game that morning. And the night before, because he said he wasn't feeling good, he went to, he went to bed early. And so my youngest and I pulled out the sofa bed in the living room and we just watched a movie and fell asleep. So I woke up and I let the dog out and um, we had to heat our most of our house was heat heated through wood stove. I mean, this is kind of, yeah, we were out there, we were out in the woods. And uh, so I put the log on the fire and I'm like, gosh, it's weird that, that Dave's not up yet. And I went in the room and I saw his leg was out of the covers and it was a, like a grayish tone. And I just kind of stood there like, does not compute like what's what's right like I was kind of like what's happening here what's happening and then um I looked at his face and I I'm like oh what's oh my god so I immediately just jump on him and try to you know oh my god you know wake up wake up and then um I knew CPR so I was doing CPR on him but he was pretty cold at that point and his um, I don't know if this is having an activating triggering effect on people to, to hear this, but yeah, his, his hands were like a rigor mortis mm-hmm. set in, like his hands were, uh, but I was still doing it and I didn't have my cell phone with me. So I'm, and I'm like, I got to call 911. And so I'm screaming and yelling like, where's my phone? Where's my phone? Well, my youngest, it's like, mom, mom, what's going on? What's happening? I said, don't come back here. Don't come back here. So he's out in the living room by himself, like what's happening oh, in there. Yeah. And um, I realized that I had a landline. I, I worked from home and um, my office desk was set up in the bedroom. So I grabbed the landline. I called 911 and she's running me through how to do CPR. I'm like, yeah, I know how to do this. I'm doing it. Nothing's happening. And and then, you know, that's when everything kind of started. People, well, we had had a snowstorm, an ice storm before, so it took took the paramedics a while, the sheriff and the paramedics and everybody a while to get to us. So we even were, if he hadn't already been deceased, yeah, chances it, would have not been good. Yeah, that the to get somebody there and spitted. Yeah, yeah. So when they but, got there, well, I had went out then and um, had to tell my youngest what had happened, and it was just I don't even know what was going on in his little brain. He was ten. You know, so later come to find out when he talked about what he thought was happening, he thought a wild animal because we lived in the woods and he thought mm-hmm. maybe a, a cougar, a mountain lion or a bobcat or something was in the room. And like, that's what was going on. In that's what it would go through a 10 year old's mind. Yeah. 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 So um, and then I had to let my oldest know he was four hours away, but I had to call the teacher that he was with because word was getting out 
in the small town what was happening mm-hmm. and I didn't want him to hear it from somebody else. So I had to tell him over the phone and that was a nightmare. Brutal. Yeah, it was just brutal. like the nightmare began. Um, so yeah. And we, again, we were living in this, this house that was out in the middle of nowhere. I didn't like it. We, it was actually on the market. We were, we were in the middle of selling it because it just didn't, it just wasn't, it didn't work. He would, Dave would have to plow the driveway with this like four wheeler snow plow thing. Every, pretty much it snowed for four or five months. So he would wow. have to do that to get his vehicle out and get our vehicles out. So I'm like, I can't, you can't, I don't want to do this. I don't want to be up here by myself and, and with the boys. And so um, two of our really good friends are like, you know, Melissa, we can't, we can't take care of you and the boys. Yeah. I mean, they, they, it was the men, his friends, our friends really felt a responsibility to, you know, they respected and loved Dave so much and us so much. They wanted to take care of us. And like, we can't take care of you up here. And I'm like, yep, well, I'm out. We're out. Noted. I don't know how, I don't know how this is going to work, but so yeah. Um, well, two weeks. life obviously takes a drastic turn after it your does. partner dies, right? Like yeah. you have to live this new reality now and yeah. you didn't have any time to really figure that out. It was, Mm-mm. he's, he's dead. Now yeah. I can't plow a drive and I can't, heat this house with the wood stove and I yeah. can't do all these things. Um, those were, you know, we, we ask what are some of the unexpected challenges you yeah. had to face, but those were unexpected and expected because you were already living in a, you know, in a house that wasn't conducive to. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey there, this is Kim Murray from the Widow Squad, and we've got something special in store for you. It's time to unlock a world of healing with our incredible gift just for you, the How to Have a Better Relationship with Grief Guide. Picture this, expert tips and practical strategies all bundled up in one comprehensive resource. It's like having a supportive friend by your side guiding you through the ups and downs of your healing journey. Now here's the best part, it's absolutely free. Ready to dive in? Simply visit widowsquad.com backslash resources and your free guide awaits. It's time to transform your relationship with grief and discover the strength within you. Don't miss out on this incredible opportunity to take control of your healing process. Head over to widowsquad.com backslash resources and grab your free guide today. Right. Yeah. I mean, with, with, with Dave and I, we could make it work. Right. We made it work, but it was also, I was feeling quite isolated there. Um, I was working a job, but I was in, um, I was working remote. I was actually, I kept my job in Portland. Um, so, you know, I worked every day from the home, but it was still really isolating. So we had made the decision to sell. Let's put the house on the market. Mm-hmm. Let's sell it. And so we were in the middle of all that nonsense. I'm like, I want out of here now. Like, there's no way I can, I can't So if you hadn't had that, if, if you weren't planning to sell your house before he died, do you think you, it would have been harder to go through the process of selling? Because I think maybe, did you know that's what he wanted to do? After he died, you're like, I'm just going to go do it now. Was that was that an easy decision, hard decision? It was easy because it was come from a feeling place. It was yeah. come from a feeling of I'm scared. Yeah, like I realized I'm I'm alone. Like I, the concept of being alone. Like he's not here to run to bounce things off of. That didn't really hit for for several months. But realizing like I'm practically practicality, I can't mm-hmm. physically do all these things, and I can't ask somebody to come my family to come stay with me and take care of all these things. Right. Um, so it was more of a practicality thing. And, 
and it just felt safer to be surrounded by the the community. Um, the, the Which, school was the school was like I don't know it was like a half hour drive away. So it's like how am I going to work and take my kids to school, go pick them up, take them to practice? How like so I don't know all this kind and of and you have two kids stuff. Yeah, I had two kids. Right, you have two yeah. kids and you can't be in two places at the yeah. same time. So I think you know those of us with more than one child know that there's it's a double yeah you know whammy because yeah. you can't you have children that need to be places you can't possibly be in all of them. Yeah. And I'd have to say it's not ideal to have to make big decisions like that because I, I was not in my right mind, I guess, you know, I was, there was so much happening and, um, and then a lot of health issues started for me. Then Um, I had a lot of, um, I had heart uh, palpitations beginning immediately. Yeah. You know, looking back now, it's like, oh yeah, all this, cortisol, you know, mm-hmm. all, everything is pumping through my body. I'm in shock. Um, I the just shock, performed. The fear. Yeah. I just did CPR on my husband's body. Yeah. I'll never, you know, that will always be a memory of mine. Um, and the look of, of his face, but, um, mm-hmm. yeah, so immediately I'm, I'm making funeral arrangements and then calling my doctor like, Hey, I've got this weird thing going on with my heart. And so we, I get the EKG, I get all the tests, I wear the heart monitor, so I'm I'm concerned now about my my existence sure. on this earth. Like, what sure. if something happens to me? What happens to my kids? And so I may I'm doing all the the business, you know, planning the funeral, yes. moving the house, signing the lease, taking care of my health, going to all the doctor's offices, um, doing the will, getting the estate, you know, all this stuff taken care of. And I wasn't. I didn't. I took five weeks off from work. And then after five weeks, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm ready to let's work full time. Let's, right. let's do this thing. Let's read um, legal documents because that's sure. what I did. Let's sure. let's read some really intense business legal documents and then try to negotiate some of those with clients. That's, that's yeah, brilliant. Makes sense. Yeah, yeah. makes sense. <laughs> so that's what I just I busied my mind kind of like you. We had talked about this um, when we talked on the last episode that. Um, just busying your your mind with things other than death or the, it's too much um, it it's is. too much to have to handle all that on your own so I think your brain does a pretty good job sometimes of mm-hmm. protecting you yeah. yeah and not allowing you to get to those places that it can't handle quite yet yeah yeah for sure yeah so um I did that for six months and then decided to move our kids and myself back to my support system, which was so that in was a Portland. big that's a big deal for most people is how mm-hmm. how and where do you find that support? Mm-hmm. So you had family, friends, community, mm-hmm. school, all of that in Portland. And so yeah. you knew you needed to get back there to that. Yeah. Area. And and we had it in um Union was the town in in Oregon. We had that there, but it was really my family, my I felt like I could find more resources. I remember going into the little tiny bookstore in this town, just looking for some grief books or something mm. like, let me, let me read a book about this and and yeah. try and figure this out. Literally nothing, you know, nothing really on, on grief and, and in particular widowhood or young widowhood mm-hmm. or solo parenting. And I just thought, well, None I could of probably that, yeah. find way more resources in a bigger place. And again, you know, family, friends, I had people who I knew could, could watch my kids if I needed to go 
I need to go back to work into the office. So I just set that all up. I decided to to do that. So my kids were, you know, you talked about for you, you're trying to keep everything normal, mm-hmm. as normal as possible. Mm-hmm. That just didn't happen with my kids. There was nothing normal about no. anything that we were doing so much. I asked so much of my kids, you know, and but unfortunately or fortunately, they had dealt with a lot of that stuff before Dave and I even adopted them. So mm-hmm. in for them moving around and and was kind of the norm, which yeah, it wasn't I, unusual. I, to yeah, it wasn't to... unusual. And I don't, I don't know if that's not good or bad. It's just it is what right. it is. So I, again, not a lot of normality going on. Well, I think it's there. interesting when you hear these different stories, because I think a lot of times widows assume that what they're doing is wrong or they should have done better. Mm. Um, things could have been different. But you had a different circumstance. Sure. I had a different circumstance. Mm-hmm. Um, you do what you have to do yeah. to get to where you think you need to be. And there's no right or wrong in any of that. So I think it's important when we hear these stories to understand that sometimes you have to do things that may be out of the quote unquote norm or what you would think the norm is. Um, sometimes keeping things the same is the only way to keep your sanity. Mm-hmm. It all depends mm-hmm. on what is your specific situation and circumstance. Yeah. yeah. And you have to You have to go accordingly. Yeah. And you know, it's weird, Kim, like something kicked in. I don't know if this happened to you, but something just kind of kicked in, in my gut or whatever. I, before Dave died, I was somebody who would ask people, what do you think? Mm-hmm. Like, I want to do this thing. What do you think? And I would get opinions and I wouldn't, It's. I think that's kind of something where I didn't really trust myself. Mm-hmm. And something kicked in during this time. It's like, I don't know if it's good, bad, right or wrong. I'm not asking anybody what I should do. That's, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, That's, that's again, not, that's, I don't want to say atypical, but I think a lot of widows struggle with that. What should I do? And asking people for help because they don't trust themselves. So that's amazing that you were able to, but again, that's your brain's way of protecting Mm -hmm. you and Mm -hmm. getting you where you needed to be. Yeah. Let's just go, Melissa, go, go, go. Yeah. Yeah. It was just funny because that Melissa before was kind of different personality. And then me now, I'm more like, you know what? I really don't want your opinion. Yeah. And I and if I need it, I will ask for it. Yeah, but for I, it. I just really didn't. I was like, I'm, you know, of course I consulted, you know, legal experts and sure. to drop a will and then I would ask them, what do you think? But as far as anything else moving and all that stuff, it's like I'm this is what I'm gonna do. I yeah. think this is the best. And um, I don't know, that was interesting how that kicked in. It is interesting, yeah. but mm-hmm. you know, again, self-aware, you're, you were pretty self-aware, which is good. I mean, it, it's important to know what you feel in your gut is the right mm-hmm. thing to do. Cause it doesn't always make sense in your brain, Yeah. but if you can trust that intuition in your gut, it doesn't usually steer you wrong. So yeah. kudos, good on yeah. you for listening. I don't know. Like if I didn't have kids, I think I would have had a very different experience. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But like you, we had to, I knew like I had to keep my kids alive. I had mm-hmm. to keep me alive. Um, still had to go to school. Mm-hmm. Still had to, you know, they loved going to baseball games and and play basketball and football and soccer and all the things. So it was just my focus was on them because Dave and I had taken so it was such a long and difficult process to get to the point where we could adopt them. And we had, right. we had to go to training. We had to get FBI checked. We wrote essays. We filled out question questionnaires. It was actually, I 
every parent should have to go through. They should, for sure, this, have to do all this. What yes. we went through. So it was very intentional what, like, we wanted a family. Mm-hmm. We wanted these two little boys. And it was not the easiest process. Mm-hmm. Um, but we did it, and we got them, and we built this family, and now Dave's gone. I have to do this. And mm-hmm. I I didn't have a ton of confidence in myself as far as how how am I going to how am I going to do the dad stuff too? I don't yeah. know how to, I don't know how to talk to my kids, you know, the, about the birds and the bees. And, nope. and I don't know, like I think a previous episode, you talked about like the football athletic supporter yes. thing or the pants uh, and yeah. Uh, we don't like, know how to do I any know. of this until we actually do it. So, yeah, but you just yeah. do it. Yeah. You just have to do it. And mm-hmm. and again, we can be really hard on ourselves and say, well, you should know how to do this. Yeah. Or we can be realistic and be like, no, you don't know how to do something until yeah. you learn how to do it. Yeah. So give yourself extra grace. Yeah. yeah. Like you said, we are hard on ourselves because we've never done this before. There's no Mm-mm. widowhood 101 nope. course or college course. We've never done this before. And we're so, I was really, really hard on myself. Really well, you talk a lot about the business of widowhood mm-hmm. and that's just getting through literally mm-hmm. the business. If it's mm-hmm. closing accounts or it's redistributing money or whatever the case may be, that's one aspect. Mm-hmm. Then you've got the emotional and family and relational aspects, a whole different ballgame. So there's all these things you have to to get to get through, monitor right. and get through. It's not just raising children. It's not just mm-hmm. going to work. Yeah. It's a it's a lot of different. Yeah. Things that sometimes are work in unison and sometimes don't. Yeah. The business that definitely business. put off the grief. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not interested in mm-hmm. feeling that. Thank you. No, I'm going to do <laughs> whatever. Or I was more about, okay, grief. Let's break it down into a homework project. Yeah. Let's break it down into like, give me that. I was looking for books. Yeah. I was looking for handbooks, guidebooks. Um, how do you do this grief thing? And I'm, I'm not wasn't a stranger to grief. My my dad had died um, in 2003, so he, I had gone through that. But this was my life partner. This it's a was, different grief. We know this, this. was yeah. my future. This right. was my this was my everything, everything. You know everything. Yeah. So I definitely did not want to want to grief. So I wasn't into griefing. <laughs> well, okay, I wasn't either. We talked about that too. But so so the question becomes, when did that catch up with you? At what point did you realize that you you're not the you're you're not the lucky one that gets to bypass all this? Right. Like I thought I would too. Like I'm just yeah. gonna bypass it. I know people haven't done it before. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna figure it out. You were the same way. When oh, did yeah. it catch up with you? Yeah. Um, well, I was concerned. It was about six months in, and I was kind of concerned, like, I'm not crying. Mm-hmm. I'm not feeling mm-hmm. pretty much, I'm not feeling anything. And that was really scary to me. I felt really zombie-ish. I was, mm-hmm. I, I didn't feel, yeah, literally anything. And that, that, that scared me. And so I thought I should get a grief counselor, like, mm-hmm. show me how to do this thing. Yeah. And uh, one of the first or second sessions, I'm like, okay, um, how do we do this? Like, typically, how many of your clients, what's, like, is it eight months? Are they right. over this? Is this, you know, like. What's the average timeline? Yeah. For the yeah, average give, person, give me a percentage, like yeah. just so, like you know, I could probably beat that. But yeah. and she's just, she just kind of laughs and smiles. She's like, "That's that's not how this works." You're, that's yeah, I've been cute. down this road before, Melissa. Let me really show you how cute. this works. Yeah, yeah, that's not how it works. So, mm-hmm. 
Um, and it took me a few sessions to really trust her because I've never been in a therapeutic situation, mm-hmm. long, long-term therapeutic situation before. So that's really when I started digging in. And I was definitely pushing my feelings away when, when, cause grief will bubble up. It will find yes, you. It will, it will mm-hmm. deal with you. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I didn't want to deal with it. So I, you know, I was over drinking and it was, I thought it was becoming a problem. So I, I talked to my brother who's in recovery about, Hey, here's what I'm doing. What do you think's happened? What do you think? Can you keep an eye on me or what do I need help or whatever? And so um, we had talked it through and he did keep an eye on me. And that was just, he's like, you've been through a lot, Melissa. You've been through. Like, but going back to that self-awareness, uh, that is pretty amazing. That's not, a lot of us don't have that self-awareness of yeah. maybe this isn't the right thing for me to do. I know I am doing it, but maybe I shouldn't. Yeah. But just having that, just, you know, kind of taking a stack of your life and your surroundings and what's happening, reaching out for that help from your brother. That's yeah. amazing. That's really yeah. I'm I'm impressed that you had that much self-awareness to be able to make different decisions if that's what yeah. you needed to do. Well, I think some of it comes from, I like to appear like I have it all together. Yeah. And I think the precipice of me asking for help was, uh, I, I missed a call from the school. Hmm. I think, I don't know if I was hungover or whatever, but <laughs> I think I just wasn't on point as far yeah. as my parenting goes. Yeah. And I missed a call from the school because my one of my oldest was starting to have some challenges. And I was like, oh, okay, I'm I'm not doing well at this parenting yeah. thing. And the drinking is getting in the way. Yeah. And so this is a problem. And I like to appear like I have it all mm-hmm. together. And this is making me appear like I don't have it all together. So mm-hmm. I <laughs> so again, controlling yeah. the chaos. Right. Uh, and then realizing, yeah, this is this is what I'm doing. I'm not allowing myself to feel. And um, again, I didn't know how to feel my feelings. I love the feelings wheel because mm-hmm. I can pick it up and because I don't know what I'm feeling a lot of the times. And I'll look at the feelings wheel and like, oh, I'm feeling anger. I'm feeling sad, but it's manifesting like this. And right. this is why. And so it's it's kind of if 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 that's not my MO from from my birth to understand my feelings, then that I don't know. It was just something I had to relearn at a at an older it's, age. It's actually nice. And we mentioned the yes, and the feelings wheel will give you those extra mm-hmm. things you don't know about, yeah. the feelings you don't even know exist. But it kind of takes that um that pressure off you a little bit too, because you're not angry all the time. You might be resentful. You might be, you know, whatever else is on the wheel. So I think it takes some of that pressure off you to yeah. when you find those other feelings that you're actually feeling and can put a name to them. Oh yeah, I'm not always mad all the time. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'm this. I'm not yeah. always sad all the time. Sometimes I'm this. So those are good tools. Yeah. yeah I mean, there's some really great worksheets out there because yeah. I, I love I love some homework. But yes. uh, yeah, so really tapping into it was a huge growth experience for me, mm-hmm. which is I guess that's a positive thing. I mean, Dave's death was horrible and changed my life, changed my kid's life. Mm-hmm. So sad, you know, but there is something about this it's not a silver lining but it wasn't like well i'm gonna grow from this so i'm gonna have personal growth but th- it just right. happened that's a byproduct it's like i need to be i need to figure out how to rebuild my life i right. need to be- how did you rebuild your life like what were the steps that you think you took or did you know that's what you were doing what was what did rebuilding your life yeah. look like 
for you? It turned into, so grief counseling was amazing. Really, she was able to really kind of shine a mirror on the way I talk to myself, Mm -hmm. which was not super nice. Um, I was very, very mean to myself, just just acknowledging that, Um, talking through Mm -hmm. that. Why am I so mean? Why am I like... I wouldn't talk to anybody this way. What's what's this loop? What's happening here? Yeah. Um, so being aware of that, and um, I don't know about you, but I the grief really hurt my body, my physical mm-hmm. body. Mm-hmm. I just, ugh, I just felt so much. I felt like I was coming out of my skin a lot of the time. Well, we talked about this before too. When you're keeping everything in, mm-hmm. you're physically like hunching over mm-hmm. and closing yourself off, yeah. and so that that does not help you when mm-hmm. your shoulders are, are scrunched or your back's, you know, scrunched over yeah. your chest is closed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the I had to process that grief out of my body mm-hmm. or move it around or something. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that was super intuitive. I just thought, oh, my shoulders hurt. I'm going to get a massage. Right. And would work that out or, or gosh, I feel so much better when I walk two miles mm-hmm. in the neighborhood. Or, you know, just noticing how my body started to feel better and then noticing, again, self-care with my mind and my thoughts. So was and, was your therapist a big proponent of self-care? Or is that something you came to intuitively on your own, like at some point? Or was she helpful in that to get um, you to get to that point? A little bit. It wasn't like the work that we were doing wasn't necessarily around, you know, self-care, but I mm-hmm. I don't remember her ever asking, like, what are you doing to take care of yourself? But yeah, it was just more of like, ow, I hurt. I'm going to yes. do this. Yeah. So oh, you got this yourself... feels better. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also, and you know this too, when your life partner dies, the intimacy leaves mm-hmm. and intimacy, intimacy is gone and you're not being touched. Right. So I would get pedicures because somebody would also be touching my feet or just yeah. touching me. Yes. You know, just just having that human touch and also yes. with massage. Mm-hmm. You know, that was something big for me, just feeling like oh, I'm, uh, some human touch, you know, that that's so important. And it is uh, important. We don't realize it until it's gone. Like it's that, you know, you mm-hmm. don't know what you have until it's gone thing that people say all the time because you don't. But that's a good point. And anybody listening can can do the same thing. Get a massage, yeah. get a pedicure, mm-hmm. uh, manicure, doesn't matter what it is, um, yeah. a facial, doesn't matter what yeah. it is, just to have that that touch. And it it changes your, it changes you. It does. Mm-hmm. In a yeah. good way. Yeah, it totally does. And you can, you know, I don't know, I even, I didn't do this, but I think, you know, that does cost money. And there's some people who are trying to save money. Mm-hmm. You can go to massage schools Mm-hmm. And get really cheap massages from the stu- like the students. That's a good point. Yeah, that's a good point. I knew somebody who did that. So, um, but all during that time, as I'm taking care of myself, I, this is first time in my life I am asking myself, "How am I feeling? Mm. What do I want? What do I need?" You know, I never really ask myself those questions, and Important I'm asking questions. and waiting for. Well, what's coming up? Well, that's my gut. That is my mm-hmm. inner wisdom. And that's mm-hmm. really for the first time in my life, I started tapping into and trusting. So you think gut. that's, so that positive growth and personal growth and positive change and stuff is, mm-hmm. that's what you find happened to you that you mm-hmm. got more in touch with your yeah self. Yeah. 
more in touch with myself, my needs. I was a a more effective parent, solo parent. Mm -hmm. Well, we could ask my kids. Maybe they don't think so, but I think so. Let's let's set expectations here, though. We're talking about years of discovery. This is not a year after widowhood. It's not even two years. It's happening now. It's it's happening now. now. Exactly. And I was going to say the same thing. I I fall back into familiar patterns of my own that I have to to jump back out of and go, no, 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 I'm not going to do that again. So it is a, it's a practice, a lifelong practice. Total practice. And it's a, it's a byproduct Mm -hmm. of, of this traumatic experience. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I chose not to, there was certain, there was days when I was like, I don't want to do the world right now. I just, I don't want to do this. I want to lay We have days like that now. Yeah. Oh, for sure. You don't want to do the world. Yeah. So this again, not one and done. Yeah. Listeners. Yeah. This hap- you know, this is an ongoing thing that we have to mm-hmm. do and remind ourselves and be gentle with ourselves ongoing. But it was like, yeah, really the first time in my life I yeah, I really trusted myself. And I was paying attention to what I was saying to myself. Which and is key. Yeah. Is yeah, that's key. Would that be like if you had to offer some advice to someone early in her widowhood, uh, maybe something you would do differently back when you started what would you say? Well, first, take care of yourself mm-hmm. and whatever that looks like for you. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not intuitive to do that, particularly mm-hmm. if you have kids because mm-hmm. you're doing all the things for them, but really carving out some time for yourself. And we had talked about this before, feeling your feelings. It's an mm-hmm. easy thing to say, mm-hmm. oh, just feel your feelings. But there's ways that you can do it and you can ask yourself questions uh, I wasn't a big journaler, mm-hmm. but um, I know some folks are. That's a good way to just write down mm-hmm. what you're feeling. Just be curious about you know what what's happening, what you're feeling, what what your body's telling you. Your mm-hmm. body tells you a lot. It um, does. Yeah. It really does. If you listen, mm-hmm. we talk about this a lot in the Widow Squad too. So we're mm-hmm. you know always bringing up these ideas and things for widows to do because they're all things that we've done and we've tried to to learn. Yeah. You know, we didn't know how to do it in the beginning either. So this yeah. is the kind of stuff we talk about just to yeah. kind of help, you know, move some of the widows in our membership through these really confusing times. Yeah. And when you talk about community, so the membership and community, um, I felt so alone. I was the only 44 year old mm-hmm. woman with two kids mm-hmm. who this has ever happened to. Now mm-hmm. I know that's not true, but right. at the time, and at the time there wasn't a ton of resources books, groups, whatever, or the ones that I tapped into were just not a good fit. Young widows clubs, young widows, widowers, things like that. Mm-hmm. And I just didn't connect with any of them. But that piece, try, you know, finding your people, finding yes. people who understand, who speak your language. This is a different language that it we, is. that, that we talk now, like we like grief and loneliness and, and widowhood is our second language. Yeah, I just finding that, those that community, finding yeah. your people, tapping into those people. Maybe they're not widows, but they are people who understand and speak mm-hmm. grief and speak yeah. speak that language and are comfortable with you. Like you said in a previous episode, you, there's two people that worked with your husband that you mm-hmm. they were just open to hearing you mm-hmm. talk about whatever's going on, and that's key. Is like trying to find your your people, trying to find your community. So if you could share that one. Give that one widow who's not convinced or not sure she wants to be in a community, not mm-hmm. sure that it would help her. Um, 
What, what, what would you say to that widow? Well, I mean, try it out. There's, there's lots, I mean, not just ours. I mean, right. there, there are other um, organizations, but just take that baby step. It's mm-hmm. scary. Sometimes Very it's really scary. scary because you, you have all these thoughts about, oh, it's probably going to be this or this or that or whatever. I'll, um, I'll look foolish. Yeah. Someone's going to mm-hmm. think something about me. Mm-hmm. You know, we've talked about vulnerability before too, and it's not an easy thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but once you get better at it, um, yeah. then you realize the benefits of it. Yeah. Or there's sometimes there's some shame around mm-hmm. the death or your part in it or whatever. But I would just say, take take that little baby step. And just anything that you're doing, take a baby step, see where it takes you. Uh, maybe you don't like where that path is going. Well, then you you can veer off and take a different mm-hmm. path and you mm-hmm. can make another choice. But I don't know. There was this. I don't, do you do you know what Insight Timer is? Yes, it's like, I've used okay. it. Okay, so it's a meditation app, and so I use it every day. And every day, this quote comes up. It's like the daily quote. And today, right before I did my meditation, um, the quote, and I wrote this down. It says, "Rarely, if ever, are any of us healed in isolation. Healing is an act of communion. It's an mm-hmm. act. You you heal in community. And that's from Bell Hooks. I I didn't mm-hmm. come up with that." Uh, but I think you really, you heal when you're with others who understand what you're moving through, maybe a couple steps ahead of you, maybe a, a couple steps behind you, but you're healing in this, in community. And I think you can, you can do things quicker, better when you're with others and you're not isolating yourself. So that would be my advice. Don't isolate yourself. Try, try out new things and especially community. I think that's really good advice. Yeah. I could not have said it better myself. Yeah. And for those of you that don't know, Melissa has a very awesome memoir that she wrote about her experience. <laughs> it's called Filled with Gold. And she talks about her her um, grief counselor in this book, who I thought was just kind of a really amazing lady reading the story. And mm-hmm. it's something that I wish I had had when I was first widowed because I didn't have yeah. that kind of a counselor. But anyway, you can hear more about Melissa's story through her book. And we can put a link to that in the show notes. And I just want to say thanks for being so open with us today mm. and honest about your journey. And we've talked so many times about our specific paths. And I wish I knew you when I was also a 44-year-old widow with an 8- and 10-year-old boys. If we'd have known each other back then when we were first widowed, can you imagine how different our, oh our paths gosh. would have been? I know. I know. I know. Yeah. We're the, our husband's deaths were three years apart, but yeah, you weren't alone. No, but yeah. So I I appreciate you telling about the, the, the book. It's hard to promote yourself. It is hard, but it's a really good, it's a great book. I loved reading it and I know Melissa's story, but I loved reading more about it in depth anyway. So yeah, for those of you that want to get a little bit more information about it, I highly suggest that you pick up a copy. Thank so you. Melissa, this has been so much fun. I know. I know. We, we have to do this again and and learn some more new things. And we're always talking yeah. about, we always learn something new about each we other. Do. We've said that before when we just sit down and have conversations. So yeah. I'm urging all of you out there listening, if you're feeling isolated, like Melissa said, don't stay in that isolation. Reach out yeah. somewhere to someone for support because there's somebody out there for you to, yeah. to talk to. There is. Okay. All right. Well, Thanks, that's Kim. it for this episode. And we will see you next time on the next episode of the Widow Squad Podcast. We hope that this episode of the Widow Squad Podcast has left you feeling supported, encouraged, and empowered. Remember, you are not alone. And there is a community of widows ready to welcome you into the Widow Squad membership. 
And if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us on your favorite podcast platform. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, take care of yourself. Hey, it's Melissa. If you've been searching for a place to connect with like-minded widows, to build friendships, grow your confidence for doing hard things, and inspire healing after loss, we invite you to join the Widow Squad community at widowsquad.com. This special widow membership is made up of widows just like you, learning how to move through grief in healthy, self-affirming ways to create a life to thrive in. And we're doing it together. Go to widowsquad.com to learn more.